Welcome to Healthy by Choice, a broadcast designed to bring powerful healing into your life today. Gaining and maintaining optimum health is possible at any age. That's what thousands are learning at CHIP, the complete health improvement program offered across the country and around the world. You can learn more at chiphealth.com. But now, get ready to enjoy some proven results and priceless benefits. I'm your Healthy by Choice host, Charles Mills. Americans can feel pretty good about the wonders, innovations, and high-tech interventions of modern medicine. We can do just about anything. Some people are actually waiting for the bionic man or woman to appear, complete with interchangeable parts. Yet, while we're spending twice as much as the next country in line for medical care, we are only number 50 in the ranking of health and longevity in the world. Today, we want to explore why the dissonance. Could it be that money can't buy the health and longevity we dream about? And if it can't, is there anything we can do to live happier, healthier, and longer lives without breaking the bank, both individually and as a nation? Let's talk with CHIP founder Dr. Hans Deal about money, health, and reality. Dr. Deal, what do we need to know? Hello, yes, I'm glad to be with you. Uh, you know, it's an amazing development. Uh, we are now recognizing that uh, we cannot conquer our diseases mm. unless we focus on the nature of the diseases. Mm. And the nature of our diseases has changed over the last 50, 60, 100 years. We used to have infectious diseases then. Today, the diseases are chronic diseases. Mm. In other words, something has come apart in our health care plan. Something has gone amiss in our ability to stay healthy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and it has largely to do with the nature of chronic disease. Okay. You see, when it comes to chronic disease, these diseases sort of hang around. We have no real cure for them. Uh, we can, um, you know, alleviate the symptoms, for instance, of uh, diabetes. We can do something about uh, the level of blood pressure. But we don't really cure these things with what we have available today in modern medicine. So when we go to the doctor and the doctor gives us a little brown bottle with pills in it or a little white bag with pills in it and we go home, we're not going home with the fix if we have a chronic disease. We're going home with a symptom fix? Yeah, that is usually the case when it comes to these chronic diseases. Mm. You don't really fix the problem. For instance, when you have high blood pressure, yeah. you take that little pill, right? Yeah. And it brings the blood pressure down, but it doesn't really cure the disease because if you forget this little pill, yeah. you know, within yeah. two or three days, the blood pressure is up again. So you're just sort of managing the thing. And we have to always recognize that whenever you have a medication, whenever you have a medication, you have to worry about side effects. And that oftentimes then requires another medication to take care of the side effects. And that drug may have its own side effects. And so you can see that spiral going up and up and up. Mm -hmm. And it's a very expensive way to take care of, you know, your best you can do really yeah. in most of these cases is symptom relief. Now, you are mentioning chronic diseases. What other kind of disease do we need to know about? Chronic disease is one that's ongoing. What's the other disease we need to go see the doctor about? Well, you know, our most prominent disease when it comes to chronic disease is probably heart disease, mm -hmm. right? Coronary heart disease, coronary artery disease, angina, heart attacks, these kind of things have to do with the circulatory system. And um, here again, uh, we can do some fancy bypass surgeries. Uh, you know, you pay $100,000, $150,000 for these surgeries. And yet, you know, within months, within years, these 
uh, bypasses are no longer really open to allow blood to flow freely through these vessels and thus to provide relief from the angina, the pain in your chest. So, you know, we can do stents, and we do about a million, you know, this year, and the cost is about twenty-five to thirty-five thousand dollars. But again, you know, uh, half of these stents no longer work within less than a year. So we have to do them again and again and again. So this is a classic illustration, Charles, of um, how medical approaches, high-tech approaches to these chronic diseases are somewhat limited because we don't really provide a cure because the cure has to be found in how people live, Mm -hmm. how they eat, how they drink, how they exercise, you know, how they love, these kind of things. And that's not something that you can cure easily with these magic pills. Now, how do you know that, Dr. Deal? How do you know that it is possible to not have these diseases? Are there studies out there that demonstrate that a certain kind of people doing a certain kind of thing, they are immune to heart disease and diabetes and obesity? Well, you know, the data is all in. Uh, We have um, uh, large portions of libraries now filled with the results of large epidemiological studies looking at populations uh, and their frequency of disease. For instance, uh, we can uh, look at Japan after World War II. It was virtually impossible to find diabetes there. Mm. And yet, uh, 30, 40 years later, diabetes is uh, almost epidemic in Japan. The same thing is true for heart disease. Difficult to find in Japan after World War II. Uh, Today, it's a number two killer in Japan. Uh, Similarly, uh, you can go to China. When I was there 20-some years ago, it was difficult to find heart disease. Now, you can find it everywhere in the big cities. And something has happened. Something has happened. Uh, The lifestyle has changed. We have become westernized in our eating patterns, in our stress levels, in the consumption of alcohol and cigarettes. And it's these kind of things that are probably more related to the development and the promotion of these chronic diseases than the presence of a medical care system. Even the West has become westernized because 100 years ago, you've made it clear in articles I've, I've read that you've written, that 100 years ago, 120 years ago, even in this country, we did not have these chronic diseases. So there must be a tie between what we were like 120 years ago, what Japan was like 60 years ago, and what China was like 20 years ago. What is that tie? Yeah, let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, I was blown away at myself. I read uh, one of these classic books on heart disease and uh, uh, these kind of uh, medical issues uh, written by a very famous Canadian physician, Sir William Osler. Mm-hmm. It was written in 1928, and he wrote, when it comes to heart disease, we can expect one heart attack a year in an average-sized hospital in an average-sized town. <laughs> now, this is 1928. You know, difficult to find the disease. When they had a heart attack uh, somewhere appearing, uh, you know, they would call all the medical people, all the medical students to see this unusual disease. Unusual thing. Yeah, yeah, today we have 4,000 heart attacks a day in this country. And medical students in their second, third year don't want to see any more, you know, of this. You know, I mean, they have seen it so many, many times. So we have seen some dramatic changes in the occurrence of these Western diseases that are now becoming global diseases. And I think what has changed, I mean, that's the question, right? What has changed is the fact that we have moved from a 
a simpler lifestyle, especially from a simpler diet. In those days, we didn't have corn chips and potato chips and all these taste sensations that are, can be made available to us today. We have now the French fries. Uh, you know, we used to eat potatoes, now we eat French fries. And yes. it's a totally different kind of a food, of course. And also, we have doubled the intake of animal products in the last 100 years. So with all these processed food uh, explosions, with all the increase in the consumption of meat, eggs, uh, and uh, dairy products, especially cheese, you know, these are some of the powerful changes that have taken place. We have really increased significantly the amount of fats and oils, especially saturated fat and uh, these trans fats. All of these then have conspired to create this soil in which these diseases can uh, grow and flourish. And then when you add to this a lack of exercise, the cigarettes, and the stress, I mean, there you have it. That's the perfect storm of ill health developing there. I can see that. Even as you say that, I, I think back on uh, my visits to Japan. I used to, I, I lived there when I was a child, and also I was uh, uh, an English teacher there in the early 70s. And it was a, it was a very different country then. Uh, the people were slender. The The food was, uh, was very different than it is today. They hadn't been quite as westernized. They were beginning to be westernized, but they weren't quite as westernized. So it's not simply because they want to be like Americans. They want to eat like Americans. Am I on the right track if I say that? <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. I mean, Why would they want to do that? Have they looked at us? <laughs> Are they blind? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess they don't look at us. I guess not. <laughs> you know, look at our Chinese uh, friends over there. Yeah. Um, you know, they, it was difficult to find an obese a Chinese person uh, 20, 30 years ago. You know, they had their uh, blue tunics on. They were riding their bicycles. Today, it's hard really to find in the big cities any area where you could ride a bike yeah. because they have these large beltways, yeah. uh, these eight, ten lane uh, highways and freeways now. And everybody's riding a car and everybody's enjoying the new affluent that has come to the country. And with that, you've also seen the affluence-related diseases, especially as it relates to an affluent diet. Now, the technology of modern medicine, it was in response, it was developed in response to these diseases. Why can't it cure it? Why can't a, a, a stent or a bypass surgery or a proton accelerator or some kind of MRI or CAT scan, why can't these things cure the problem? They are amazing pieces of technology. Why can't they cure the problem? Mm. Yeah, they're really amazing, and, you know, uh, they are really most valuable to us uh, when it comes to diagnosing a disease. Mm. But, you know, these chronic diseases are largely related to how we eat okay. and how right. we uh, find a balanced life. That's where they fall short. We don't need a high-tech medical answer. We need a low-tech answer of education and motivation and inspiration. We need to have a cultural renaissance, a cultural change where we emphasize simple lifestyle mm -hmm. issues mm -hmm. are really going to be the answer. But how do you really motivate people when they have fallen in love with their French fries mm -hmm. and their chips and you know their steaks uh, and their lobsters? How do you really do that? That is the big issue today. How do you really motivate people to take more responsibility for their own health when they just want to, uh, you know, expect a fix, yeah. uh, a little yeah. surgery, yeah. Uh, regardless of what the cost is, yeah. and we're going to be okay. No, we're not, because these diseases that we have perhaps interrupted, like use a bypass to interrupt the uh, narrowed arteries, mm -hmm. they're not really providing us 
continuous benefit. The, the benefits erode with time and oftentimes very quickly because no one has told us that after the bypass, after the stent, you got to make those changes in your lifestyle to keep them open. Mm. So we don't need a proton accelerator. We need a robot that will come into your house and snatch that cheeseburger out of your hand before it goes into <laughs> your mouth. One that will go into your pantry and just do a number there and change all your food. Out. Okay, that's what we need. That's what modern science needs to come up with, a health robot. We'll take a short break. And when we come back, more with Dr. Deal about the chronic diseases that are running rampant in our lives and what we can do to start reversing, I love that word, start reversing the problems that we face around the world, especially in our very own homes. So stay right where you are. I'd like to take a moment to invite you to the CHIP website, chiphealth.com. It's a confusing world out there. Lots of information comes at you from so many different directions. How can you tell fact from fiction when it comes to health? Well, at CHIP, we don't deal with wishful thinking. We're not pushing pills or potions. We advocate gaining and maintaining optimum health through lifestyle changes. Changes in what you eat, how you exercise, even how you think and reason. Does it work? Over 50,000 graduates say yes. They've seen their blood pressure normalize, cholesterol numbers drop, diabetes ease, and in some cases vanish altogether, and excess pounds melt away. CHIP is a program that works because it's based on the science of health, science that's proven and amazingly effective. Stop by chiphealth.com to learn more. Changes come when you make health a habit. That's chiphealth.com. Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Charles Mills. We're here with CHIP founder, Dr. Hans Deal. That website again, www.chiphealth.com. Check it out. Lots of good material there. Dr. Deal, we're talking about chronic diseases today, treating chronic diseases, and there was a prophet among us. You've mentioned him before, and I'd like to have you introduce him to our listening audience today, and that was a Dr. Burkett. Tell us about Dr. Burkett and his prophetic words from... 20 years ago. You know, he was an absolutely incredible uh, person. Yes. Not only a great physician and a great researcher, but he was also a very special human being. And uh, I speak with great reverence uh, about him in that he worked with me off and on for several years to introducing the CHIP program, as you know, in Canadian cities there. So uh, Dr. Burkett was a very astute observer of human behaviors and of medical problems. And when he was working in Africa for close to 20 years, he made some very profound discoveries that led to the cure of an unusual lymphoma, an unusual cancer that afflicted children. Mm -hmm. He found the cure with a team later on, and the disease became known as the Burkitt lymphoma. Now, uh, because of the fame that he developed, and then also he was involved in discovering the importance of fiber in the diet, uh, you, you know this all, he was honored with a very special prize, the Bauer Science Award, which is sort of the equivalent of a Nobel Prize, right, uh -huh. for, uh, in America. Yeah. And it was at that time, in 1992, in Philadelphia, that he addressed... Uh, a group of 600 physicians that were there for a two-day seminar to honor this famous man. And he made the pronouncement uh, that he said, the greatest medical discovery of the last 20 years 
he said, is the understanding that our Western diseases, these so-called killer diseases, he said, are largely lifestyle-related. And, he said, therefore, if they are lifestyle-related, you know, these chronic diseases, then, he said, they must be preventable and potentially reversible. Mm. Now, that was very prophetic. That was 1992, and it was then that we began to understand that these so-called Western diseases that began to spread worldwide now are indeed preventable, and they're arrestable, and in most cases they're actually reversible if we could just help people to make lifestyle changes. You know, there's a lot of people listening right now to the program who may be growing a little upset with you, Dr. Deal, because you are putting the blame for their diabetes, for their heart disease, for their obesity, for their hypertension, directly in their lap. Is this tough love I'm hearing from you here? Is this something we need to hear? Well, you know, it's a double-edged sword, really. Uh, uh, In a sense, yeah, they're largely self-inflicted diseases. They're almost, uh, you know, uh, self-chosen diseases. Mm. But really, I want to create, uh, I like to reframe this. And it is really uh, something that is culturally promoted. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is promoted by an industry that produces these high-tech processed foods. And they make sure that there's enough salt, there's enough sugar, and there's enough fat in them. Because that causes an addictive pattern, mm-hmm. you see, in the mind. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I want to make sure that uh, we reframe this comment that uh, I made. The other thing is that... Uh, We've been so successful in taking care of infectious diseases and uh, emergency type things that happen that medicine has sort of evolved as the all-powerful agency that can solve anything. And if you have a problem, all you have to do is find the best doctor, find the best hospital, and you're going to get a a cure. I mean, we're talking about the expectation of a bionic woman and a bionic man Mm -hmm. that consists of sort of interchangeable parts. Mm -hmm. Hey, if something Mm -hmm. goes wrong, if if the liver doesn't work as well, well, you can do a transplant. If something happens to your gallbladder, well, we can just take it out. You know, we have this incredibly, maybe somewhat enhanced and unrealistic idealized expectation Mm -hmm. that whatever happens, medicine can take care of it. And so then we feel this is absolving us of any personal responsibility, Mm -hmm. right? Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, But now that we begin to understand that there are some limitations in the way medicine, modern medicine is operating, particularly in the area of chronic diseases, which, as we just said, were lifestyle-related, we then have to begin to say, well, what can we do? I mean, if this is something that has to do with intelligent self-care, what do I have to learn? Yeah, yeah. Well, now, I'm I'm a little worried here because we as a country have gone through this health care thing with the Obamacare and whatnot coming into force. Are we not any better off? It sounds like it sounds like you're saying that now more people have access to band-aids than cures. More people have access to that stent and that bypass as opposed to really taking care of the heart disease that we have. Is that what I hear you saying? Is our health care program now well-funded for Band-Aids to be slapped on our diseases? Well, we certainly have apparently a potential of 35 more million people covered. Covered for what, though? But we're not finding cures. What are we covered for? We're covered for symptoms. Well, well, 
You know, there's a lot of uh, debate going on, and uh, I tell you what my position is. Uh, that may not be the most popular opinion uh, with some of my medical colleagues, but um, it seems to me that the new legislation about accountable care mm-hmm. has built into it an incentivization program so that, for instance, if a person begins to enroll in a health program, mm-hmm. if a person begins to enroll, for instance, in a CHIP program, in the Complete Health Improvement Program, if a person enrolls in a stop smoking program as a smoker, mm-hmm. then immediately the law now provides for the insurance company to reduce the premiums by 20 to 30 percent. Mm. So that that means that there's something, in my opinion at least, that encourages more and greater self-responsibility and self-care mm-hmm. because, you know, it affects that special nerve in our kind of a <laughs> back area there, you know, where the wallet sits. Where the wallet sits, the wallet nerve. That's right, yes. <laughs> the wallet nerve. So, so I think... I mean, perhaps contrary to what some of my colleagues feel, I think the Obama-inspired rearrangement of priorities in putting more emphasis on personal Mm self-care is a historic breakthrough. Mm. I mean, in in Germany, where I come from, uh, we had universal coverage established in 1886 by Bismarck, and we're only now beginning to develop a a universal coverage for the people. Mm. I mean, just think about this. 35 million people, when something happened to them, they couldn't go and see a doctor, but they had to go to an emergency room, which is very, very, very expensive, and they had to be admitted at no cost by the hospital there. So I think with this new accountable care package, I think, you know, it might work out just very, very well. It's a, it's a historic, valuable attempt in trying to develop some changes, and my hope is that they will turn out to be okay. Oh, that is good news. That is absolutely good news. All right, Dr. Deal, you have identified the problem. You have identified the, uh, the, the answer. We're going to be talking more about that on another program. But right now, let's look, let's zero in, if we could, please, on one of the major issues that we're facing that is brought about by our diet choices and the, and the marketing of the food that we eat. We are told that this tastes good, that it's all natural, that it's good for us. But there's something going on inside of us that we might not see and we might not feel right now that may make itself known in some rather profound ways. And that has to do with something going on inside of our arteries. Am I on the right track here? Oh, oh, I think you're talking about, uh, let's see... um uh, narrowing of the arteries. Narrowing the, the of, the arteries. of the arteries. There's a fancy name for it. What's that fancy name for it? Um, oh, 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 you're talking about atherosclerosis? That's it, atherosclerosis. Tell us oh, yes, about that. Yes, that's, yes. that's an important topic. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's one of the key factors when it comes to chronic disease. Mm-hmm. We have to understand that the circulatory system is providing the nutrients, the oxygen to every one of those trillions of cells of the body Mm -hmm. and when this circulatory system when these highways and byways when these little collateral vessels when these uh, capillary vessels when all these kind of vessels the veins and the arteries when they become no longer wide open for blood flow when they become narrowed and hardened they become brittle then blood can no longer flow at optimal rates through the system Mm -hmm. to provide the nutrients for those cells, and then we get into trouble because then the thing begins to degenerate. Okay, all right. 
atherosclerosis, this plaque you're talking about, what is it made out of? What's the, what's the gunk in there? And you've, you've seen, you have videos of this in, mm. in some of your programs, and it mm. seems to be two kinds. There, there seems to be a hard kind and a soft kind. Mm. Tell us about those. Yeah, you know, these plaques, we call them plaques. Yes. They're sort of like pimples on the inside of the artery. They consist usually of cholesterol, fats, and calcium. Okay. And these plaques then, these kind of uh, pimples, they come in two forms. You have, first of all, you have these unstable, soft plaques. Mm-hmm. They're oftentimes fairly small, but they're very subject to rupturing. Mm-hmm. And they usually, they can rupture very suddenly. And that's probably the cause of 85% of our heart attacks. So these are the unstable, soft plaques, oftentimes small, but very vulnerable to fracturing, right? To opening up for rupturing. So when they rupture, they empty a bunch of gunk into the stream, Mm. right? All right? Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that then sets up a blood clot. Okay. Right. So when that blood clot hits the coronary arteries, that means that uh, the blood can no longer flow to the heart muscle, mm-hmm. and the heart muscle becomes starved for oxygen, and it turns blue and dies. Yes, yes, yes. That's and, a heart and, attack. And right? arteries get smaller and smaller and smaller, so it, it, may, it mm-hmm. may burst over here in this part of the body and then travel to a smaller artery and clog there. That's why, you know, it, it's dangerous anywhere in the body when you have these yes. plaques. Okay. Exactly. It, it can travel to the lungs. It can uh, travel to the brain. Then you have to have worry about a brain uh, attack, uh, which stroke. we call, uh, you know, it's a stroke, yeah. right? So these are then the unstable soft plaques mm-hmm. where you have sudden problems. And then you have another kind of plaque called the stable plaques. They're very hard plaques. And uh, they do their work very gradually narrowing the arterial inside. They harden and then they become uh, increasingly associated with angina pectoris. You know, angina, that's sort of a chest pain. Yes, yes. That means that not enough blood is coming to the heart muscle, and so there's a semi-starvation of oxygen taking place. And so the heart then has this pain which tells the person, hey, slow down, mm-hmm. sit down, and that's what you do. It's not a heart attack, mm-hmm. but it's sort of an indication something is happening. And these are the kind of um, discomforts uh, that occur more progressively, more gradually. That has to do then with these hard plaques. Mm-hmm. The soft plaques are responsible largely for the heart attacks, but the hard plaques are usually responsible for the development of gradually increasing angina. Mm-hmm. And we we are coming near the end of our program, but I want us to give just a little word of hope here. Dr. Deal, atherosclerosis, can we do something about it? We'll talk more about it in our next program, but is there hope? Can we do something about atherosclerosis? Oh, there's big hope. You know, next time I want to talk to you about uh, lifestyle medicine, the, a new branch that is now combining the best of medicine, but also including now a powerful missing ingredient that is education, motivation, and inspiring patients and people to perhaps uh, take advantage of the reversibility mm. of many of these chronic diseases. All right, and we will cover that in our next program. There is hope, and I want you, listener, to tune in next week at this same time for that program. We're going to tell you what Dr. Deal and a lot of doctors and a lot of scientists are discovering today about atherosclerosis. We're talking number one killer here. This is heart disease. This, this, is a, this is a bad dude. We're talking about an awful, awful situation here, and there is hope for you if you are 
experiencing angina, if you are having this buildup happening, you may have had some bad choices bring you to this point, but the good news is you can start making some good choices that can move you past this point and give you a long life. There are many studies that show that this is entirely possible. That'll be next time here on the Healthy by Choice program. Dr. Hans Deal, thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate your words of wisdom. Thank you. And listener, there's a website, chiphealth.com. Please check it out. Lots of good information, articles, videos to look at. And you can find out if a CHIP program is coming to your area because you'll want to sit down with your friends and neighbors and family members and learn more about how you can arrest and possibly reverse the problems that are plaguing us in this society that are beginning to spread around the world. That's next time on Healthy by Choice. Until then, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Hans Deal inviting you to be healthy by choice. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about Healthy by Choice, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651. You can also email us through our website at 3abn.org.